0: And welcome to the Everywoman podcast. I'm your host, Anna, and every month we'll be bringing you the stories, insights, and opinions of inspiring people in business on a wide range of topics, asking the questions you want the answers to, and doubtless prompting some more in the process. Today, we're talking to Leonid Sudakov, President of Kinship, a global division of Mars, on his work around diversity and inclusion. Welcome to the studio, Linnet. Happy to be here. Let's talk about Kinship. Yes. President of Kinship. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, very big title. Give me a little bit of uh, information because this is a this is a new venture for you. So absolutely, talk to me about
1: it. Um, so not many people know it, but Mars is the global leader in all things pet care, and the industry that we're trying to transform is the pet care industry. And uh, for us. Kinship is absolutely the new, the new venture that we are trying to build that's open to the people on the outside. And Mars as a global leader in this industry is trying to engage with startup founders, with people of, with great ideas, through a variety of tools that we have to really build a very, very different type of business. And that's why we find the name Kinship so appropriate.
0: Mm. I, I read somewhere that Kinship was launched as, as a coalition that was built on difference. And obviously this is something very close to your heart. You're a, a diversity champion. Tell me a little bit about why that became such a driving force.
1: Part of it is my personal story. So you know, I'm Russian. I've been living around the world. Uh, I've lived in China, in Europe, in the U.S. And for me, um, you know, hearing different voices and being able to adapt to the different cultures and bring the different cultures in is very, very important. And my leadership journey that has been something very important to me. And in in a business sense, we find this uh, you know in today's world, something that we should bring at the heart of the company as well. And so there's big business sense for us in this, uh, not just something that's very personal to me. Um, in our world, By integrating uh, the the different points of views, the different business models, the different ways of building uh, business forward, we believe that we can really create a source of competitive advantage that you don't have otherwise.
0: How, How important do you think it is to have this multitude of voices for things like innovation and to actually drive businesses forward?
1: Yes, I, I think we're really at the um, at the time where the paradigm of what success looks like in business is changing. Mm. So this idea of having one single point of view and and almost controlling the future of your of your vertical of your industry of your category is long gone. You have to be able to accommodate a very different set of uh, visions for the future and be able to create uh, this multi- multiple realities that reflect what the consumers are looking for. And and I really fundamentally believe that the solution uh, for the future is not this monopoly of a single business model, a single a single view of the world, but uh, truly a diversity um, that, that I think is fundamental for the world itself, not just for not just for the businesses.
0: Is it about finding solutions then, rather than sort of? Crushing your opposition—it's—it's it's about a much more global identity, really.
1: Absolutely, I've uh, spent twenty years of my of my career in marketing, and and a lot of um, you know, what we've been seeing in the last couple of years is really refocusing from big stories, big productions, big big offers into really finding individual solutions for people' needs. And once you go to that level of engagement with the people you're trying to serve you first understand that you need to represent the diversity of your customers. And so that means, you know, finding a diversity of solutions that can best serve them.
0: And a diversity of people to provide them. It's, it's, it is it's that opening out, isn't it? From, the, you know, like you say, you, you've got a massive client base with many different needs. You only get those needs met from many different voices, don't you? you? Know,
1: absolutely, You're absolutely right. And we... In in our in our category, we serve uh, you know 400 million cats and dogs around the world, 40 of the uh, of the global pet population, mm-hmm. as many and more pet owners, and they're very very different, and their needs are very different, and um, the way that this category will develop will be in the multitude of uh, different directions that we are incredibly excited about. But that required for us to approach the future of this category in a very different way. Mm-hmm. So versus you know, in the past, where in a lot of manufacturing companies, people thought that they they would create some IP and then they're able to protect it for decades to come. You know, pre- create walls around their um, uh, their sick their trade secrets, and then um, through that really secure their leadership. Today, uh, the future we believe is uh, believe in is really in opening yourself to the outside, engaging with as many people, and partnering with them mm. and finding solutions that are really mutual allowing the, what we call the creative rainbow of solutions to really uh, come alive.
0: I wish you'd have a solution for my cat. She doesn't eat anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, cats are finicky. Oh my
0: God. We'll talk about that after the podcast. Um, You said that you've been in leadership teams which were diverse and less diverse, and, and you could feel the difference. You could see the impact on the results. What sort of impact do you see for both of those
1: so it's 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 fascinating you know when we when we think about diversity we really need to think about it in the largest um uh, in the largest sense uh specifically with the with the gender diversity and you know it's it's absolutely true that having um a very strong representation of both genders in uh, in the in the teams that i've i've been in has had a massive impact in terms of how the debates I have had how the decisions are made how relationships are are, are built, and uh, uh, a lot of times for us, it was it has been about uh, crushing the stereotype of what business should look like mm. and what business should be operated as. And um, for me, it's it's just been a great um, almost recreation of what uh, the business the, the business uh, control center should really uh, uh, look like and feel like, and mm. and that's for me what. What really enabled the type of uh, creativity and the potential openness to the solutions that we're looking for?
0: Tell me about your your personal journey. I mean, why are you so passionate personally about diversity, and, and how has it impacted in your career?
1: Um, so for me, it's it's part of it, as I said, is you know steeped in the background of having grown up in the Soviet Russia and 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 having been traveling traveling the world and and having had the. Uh, wrong accent at times, and not really finding the right words as I was as I was st- starting to speak in the business context, and and you know, trying to find my place in different cultures, and uh, um, something that I felt uh, personally um, uh, being uh, you know different in 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 various different contexts, and so that was that has been a very uh, a very important part of what created. Uh, uh, my view of the things. Uh, the second part is you know being gay and uh, being a very senior uh, uh, leader uh, in the organi- in the, in the various organizations and uh, trying to help others feel as open about being different mm. in uh, in this context has been a big part of uh, kind of what drove me passionately into this uh, into this uh, area.
0: Do you think it's very important for people to be visible in their difference then? I mean, for example, as a gay man, was it important for you to say, I am gay? I mean, for that to be something that people knew?
1: I always think about diversity um, as something we should think about broadly, but we should act in a very specific way. And in that sense, whether it is about um, uh, diversity in the gender sense or in the um, uh, sexual orientation, uh, I find that it's very important for us um, to see role models. Mm. and you know it's it's good for us to talk about uh, how can we help women um, uh, you know close the pay gap, uh, be more successful in organizations. unless there are women that we bring in, nothing will change. And in a similar way, unless we have real role models that people can see and we we promote diversity actively, uh, you know, I believe that will not really change the state of school. Mm, and so mm. for me, the role of seeing uh, different people succeed, be visible in their organizations, be clearly embracing what they are and who they are is incredibly important.
0: Let's return just to the gender balance because you make an excellent point, diversity is about all, isn't it? It's an inclusion. But I wanted to just talk to you about um back, going back to your your roots in Soviet Russia, because one of the really interesting things I read was that uh, the share of women working in science here is about twenty nine percent, but in Russia it's like forty one percent, which is quite a significant difference. Why is this? I mean, culturally, what is the difference there? Is it expectation? I know your your mum and I think your aunt worked in science as well, yeah. so you have this background. What?
1: Absolutely, and again, a lot of it is very personal because the way uh, I grew up in one of the most industrial towns in uh, in the center of Russia, and I was surrounded. I was growing up with a lot of very, very successful women in science. And as I as I started reflecting on it, I, I actually did some reading, and it's it's pretty amazing because Russia has Soviet Russia has gone through a couple of periods, uh, really driving. Uh, Um, equality in a a very, very um, specific way in science. And right after the 1917 revolution, Lenin uh, talked about unchaining women uh, from uh, the kitchen sink Mm. and from the nursery. And that, in the 1920s, created... uh, an environment where women came in in you know in millions into the workforce uh, in Russia and and Russia has been ahead of uh, um, uh, many of the European countries on that and the same history repeated itself during the Second World War because mo- you know millions and millions of men mm. died and uh, you know the Soviets needed more women in the uh, um, in the workforce and so the the interesting data point is, is, in the 1960s, um, in, uh, in the Soviet Union, 40% of the PhD in chemistry were awarded to women. Wow. In the United States, at the time, it was five.
0: My goodness. So just, just yeah. to
1: think of the difference, and again, it was not all rosy. Women were not able to scale um, uh, the car- their careers the same way as, uh, as men were. Um, at the same time, it was driven, obviously, by the by the necessity of the of the Soviet system. Uh, but the result was there, mm-hmm. and the, the women were educated um, in in a way, you know, much ahead of the of the developed uh, of the of the developed economies of the. Of the West, and you know, if, if you then transplant it in today's uh, uh, in today's world, um, Microsoft did a big study on on why we don't get enough uh, women in in the developed countries in the STEM careers. Mm. And what happens is is, a, is is that there is a real break at around the age fifteen, where girls stop being interested in science, because the social media kicks in, uh, all the influencers are telling them things that are Potentially different and more Mm. compelling, and and um, uh, at the end there is a break at the level of education, uh, and we don't get enough flow of women into science and technology. They're not educated in this in in this uh, spheres, and as a result, we don't have enough women doing these careers. and And I believe that there is there is a lot of learning, specifically in the in the in the sphere of education, that we should we should look at because making um uh, what soviets did very well was making science a very attractive option for women to feel liberated and feel fulfilled in their lives and really unchaining them from that kitchen sink and the and the nursery as uh, as lenin used to say
0: presumably there was this an expectation of productivity as well that wasn't a domestic sphere. I would imagine there's, you know, there's Instagram and there's everything in Russia now. Why? But yet you're still leading on the, on the STEM and you know, that, that break doesn't seem to occur in Russia like as it does here. Is that a legacy of the expectation that women go into science?
1: I, th- I think there is a, is there legacy of how compelling the proposition for women themselves mm. of succeeding in science is? and, and, and I think it is also about just the number of role models they have around mm. them. So ah, that's
0: so interesting. The role models, yeah, and the status I would imagine as well. It's just, absolutely, and again, yeah.
1: you know, the the way it has been historically, uh, position is really a way to liberate yourself and to create the potential status for the woman um, away from the uh, you know just being the mother. Or the uh, uh, the housewife, and, and and I think that stays in a way. That's a way to independence, and and science has really been a um, a very uh, clear way for Soviet women to Go towards forward. independence.
0: What did your mother do?
1: My mother did ke- chemistry and physics. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And do
0: you have any memories from being young? I mean, uh, she was well, always ab-
1: Absolutely. I was terrible in physics. And so, I I remember I remember she, uh, you know, that was the toughest some of the toughest discussions we had because I just couldn't understand uh um just the depth of the uh, uh of the uh, knowledge she had and uh um, at the same time, I was incredibly admiring uh, of her work and uh, her commitment. She's uh, um, 70 now and she's still teaching.
0: Wow, yeah. amazing! Let's let's return to the sort of British uh, market, and actually, no, sorry, even the global market. <laughs> STEM is is a vital part of uh, increasing diversity in tech, which obviously is in your sphere. What else do you think we need to encourage women to go into the digital sphere and to sort of even out the balance? Because it is a very male-heavy uh, sector, isn't it, the tech industry? Uh,
1: absolutely. Um, I believe we need to, as, as I said, we need to be very specific about the actions we take. So it's not just about trying to show women mm. how to best juggle all the potential potential conflicts they have to live through. It is about hiring more women. Mm. It is about you know putting more women through school. And um, in, in our case, uh, we've hired two CEOs, uh, for the two businesses, two of the businesses that we run. One is a genetic diagnostic startup. Another one is a connected technology startup. Um, and we hired both female CEOs because we, because they were the best, yeah. but also because we believe it's important to continue to, to invest in mm. diversity and invest in that visible, uh, visible leadership. Uh, just this week, we announced a partnership with uh, RG Ventures to launch um, a program in uh, at the Cannes Festival of Creativity this summer, where we dedicate a week-long startup program to female founders, because we want to invest in in um, uh, the part of the venture industry that has been amazingly under. Underinvested in, you know, less than twelve percent of all venture funding goes to the female-founded startups, and this is just um, uh, again the numbers just speak for it's themselves. It, it doesn't correspond to anything, anything in reality in the in the in in the way that creativity of thought is created.
0: Why? Why do you think that that fund allocation is so?
1: Well, I think it's part of it is structural mm. because if you think about um, 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 the industry itself, tech industry is incredibly male dominated, and mm. so it's because of the network element of the industry. There's real structural barriers for for the women to women to break through. The other part, I think, is um, just how much more difficult it is for. For um, uh, uh, you know, a woman trying to imagine herself going and starting it uh, to find the role models again uh, that she can uh, she can uh, bring in to help her take the first leap. And one of the things that we are trying to work uh, work on is really helping those who are nearing the point of taking the leap and giving them the confidence uh, and the support needed to go in after uh, the dream they have.
0: Because the tech industry, a lot of people think of it as just the Silicon Valley male cohort. I mean, it, but of course, there are amazing women in tech. I mean, is there anyone that you particularly admire in, in tech?
1: Well, as I said, again, you know, I work with some of the amazing women in, in, in our organization. Uh, Colette Bunton, who is our CEO of Whistle, uh, the startup uh, that works on connected technology, is just one of the one of the people that I admire enormously. She brings... a a great amount of experience. And I think the other thing, uh, talking about diversity in the broader sense, uh, somebody who has had a a great career and who is um, joining a startup much later in the working life Mm. is providing another element of diversity for us because it is not all about millennials.
0: The young people. uh, The (laughs) young
1: people. And the other big part of diversity is that you can be um, a, a very, very successful startup CEO at 55. And that for me is, is, is incredibly admirable.
0: But you've got to have your mind open to that possibility. You're right. I mean, as a space, the tech space is, it's so ripe for Diversity, and yet it, it's still suffering a little bit from from a very narrow perspective, isn't yes, it? a yes, white yes. young male perspective. Blond
1: uh, Silicon Valley boys yeah. in the garage.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, with bean bags. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get rid of the bean bags, I say. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so interesting to see what happens as the diversity inclusion uh, space opens up more and more in tech. I think, especially with the advent of AI and and all the you know the the stuff that is literally on the vanguard of. Let's just spin it round a bit. I mean, what can large businesses learn about diversity from startups and entrepreneurs?
1: Well, it, it's, a, it's a great question. What, what I believe is that um, one of the biggest um, discoveries we've had is just how much we can do to help. Large businesses sit on enormous amount of resources. They a lot of times don't see themselves. When you work with startups in a, in a very scrappy way, you, do, you you realize just how much is left on the on the uh, on the sides of the road by the big businesses, and mm-hmm. I think realizing that power and realizing just how much they can do with how little um, is is has been my personal discovery over the last few years. And so I think really, and in our case, the, the idea of this coalition. Um, uh, of, you know, our very, very large business, but trying to partner with the businesses and individuals that are in a very different, that exist on very different scales mm. is built on the same idea so that we can bring the expertise, the encouragement, uh, um, the access to, uh, talent networks, uh, that are global, mm. that are very well educated, that are very well intentioned. And at the same time, we can, um, uh, this borrow this big dreams and, and, and bring in this, um, uh, real belief in something very different that the startups are built on. And, mm. and I think that, that kind of partnership is what, uh, for us has been a massive, um, unlock for the type of coalition we try to build.
0: Is the big, the big dream the common language between? The big business and the startup, then, because obviously you're coming from different angles. Is that the hinge? Uh,
1: absolutely, and um, there's there's a big belief on my behalf that you have to have the same obsession about uh, about your customer and the same obsession about how you run your business as any startup has to survive in the future. I, I think they uh, one of the big learnings of the last decade has been that if you, if you serve million customers today, it doesn't guarantee that you will be serving a thousand tomorrow. And so you have to build in that um, uh, customer obsession and proximity and that understanding uh, that your model might, might need to change very, very dramatically as your customer base is changing, and as the context in which you operate is uh, is is dramatically changing, and so that agility of thought and and the change uh, in the way that you think about the, your business is very very important.
0: And agility is obviously something that startups have inbuilt, don't they? Because they have to. And,
1: and it comes s- with survive. exactly. And it comes with the messiness of uh, having to operate in, with a very, very different points of view. Sometimes people think about diversity as something sweet and, uh, you know, neat. rainbow-like <laughs> and neat. Diversity is messy. Yeah, that's it true. It is not easy, it is not comfortable because it's built on difference, because it's built on accepting that your way is not the only way. And, and that is fundamental. To really leveraging the, the type of creative rainbow of ideas that we we like to talk about.
0: That's so that's such a powerful, powerful insight. I mean, how do you live that in your leadership then?
1: Well, one of the big things is is really deeply learning to be comfortable with that. So that it requires it, you know it's testing, and it requires to be always vigilant on the type of biases you come in uh, you come in with, mm-hmm. and um, uh, starting with appreciation of where the, uh, the people around you are, are, uh, are coming from, and ensuring to build this uh, uh, multiple points of view and real uh, diversity of thought in any context you operate in.
0: I love that last point. That The messiness of diversity is so interesting. Yeah. That's such yeah. a powerful point, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And people How don't does it not drive spend- you mad? <laughs> yeah, 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 it, 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 it does, but, but I think it's, that's when it becomes real. Because otherwise, I think what happens is people just skim through that, and it becomes more of a slogan. Yeah. And you miss the reality of of what it's required. Because diversity is there on the belief that bringing difference to the to the heart of what you do mm. creates something better. Bringing difference to the heart of what you do is not easy. No. <laughs> because that means challenging everything challenging the way you approach the subject challenging the the uh, the way that you have to take action and and think about things and but you have to believe that on the on the on the other side it becomes better and so that's that's the belief we go in with I go in with um, uh, and looking back it it does
0: work and it works works. diversity is reality isn't it it's the reality of the world we live in and you see it being embraced in some places better than others i Mm -hmm. feel (laughs) Mm -hmm. but business is a great place to start actually business could lead the way in, in 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 creating this
1: absolutely because businesses are about people being forced to come together to create something there's a context of it's a bit like families, mm. you know, except that they're are, are you know, million um, uh, uh, millions of people really working together and trying to work things out, and so I believe in that sense the fundamental aspect of diversity, which is respect for difference and really building um, uh, the advantage uh, from this difference, uh, is something that businesses can demonstrate very very easily
0: come back to this point about diversity being messy. How do you maintain your strong views while also being, you know, a coalition of people that can work together? Can we do that? Or um, do we just respect each other's views and then try and find common ground? You have,
1: to, you have to find something in common. In our case, it's easy because we are, we operate in a category built on love. When you talk to anybody um, uh, about their pets, you talk to people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And so for us to, to build a coalition for the future of this industry, something easy, um, relatively easy, just as it is for us to hire people from you know the most admired companies in the world. One of the big um, discoveries for me joining this industry, uh, six years ago has been just that unique Advantage we have in talking to people's hearts and 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 bringing them in from wherever they are today and and creating that uh, coalition around this um, uh, category built in love has been has um, been fundamental to opening doors for us.
0: Mm. So you find the common difference or the common theme and then work out from there. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. You 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 know that you're working towards one big ambition. You know that what we're doing uh, is absolutely right. Uh, because we know in, in, our, in our case, how much pets bring to us. Mm. And so in a way, it's about paying back and creating, uh, creating a better world for them. And once you really feel that, you have enough of the common ground to start then really building the uh, building on and, and leveraging the strengths of each other.
0: Have you got a pet? Yes, what have you I got? have.
1: I have quite a lot. Actually.
0: I have no, yes,
1: I have uh, three cats. I have four ponies, and I have four donkeys. <gasps> wow! And my donkeys is actually, uh, you know, the closest. Oh, uh, they <laughs> yes, they're very. You, you wouldn't. I wouldn't have before we got a farm. I wouldn't have believed just how how um, close you can you can be. They 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 really um, have a unique relationship with us. So I'm very happy. Uh, I love very that. Happy they're very noisy. <laughs>
0: I think that we could talk all day about this, but I know you have to go. So Leonard, thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Enjoyed it.